Hi, and welcome to the Machine Ethics Podcast. I'm joined this month by Joanna J. Bryson in the Toppings and Company Bookshop in Bath. This month, we're talking about new principles of robotics, AI as commercial products, robots as slaves, system AI, the ethical paradox of living forever, semantics of rights and welfare, and definitions of legal personhood. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash machine ethics and on the website machine-ethics.net and on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Thank you uh, for joining me in uh, Topping and Company Booksellers in Bath. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a pleasure to be in this environment and to be talking about AI, surrounded by all these books. um, It's a beautiful place. It's it's kind of like the homage to the past as we're talking about the future sort of thing. Maybe that's actually one of the really interesting questions about artificial intelligence and ethics and human society. What, mm. what, what are we going towards? Yeah. So, you, you know, there's this, this store is, uh, you could say it's retro, you could also say it's hipster. And part of the thing about hipster is people actually saying, we want to have something different. We want to know the person who made it. We want to have all those pieces. Yeah. And that's actually, a, it used to be what it had to be. And then we were kind of scrounging. Now it's actually a luxury. It's a luxury to have really good custom-made bespoke stuff. And maybe that's a luxury. Mm. I mean, there's other problems, obviously, yeah, on the yeah, landscape yeah. <laughs> and horizon. You know, we can't we can't not ignore all the political stuff that's going on now and everything else too. But yeah. it, really, generally speaking, humanity is doing quite well for itself, and and there's no reason that we can't have more and more people enjoying this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, the political stuff. We could almost have a, a separate podcast and talk all day about that sort of stuff. So we I'm won't, sure. <laughs> unfortunately, go down that rabbit hole. Um, but I guess some of the AI stuff does. Uh, have some of that in it for sure um do you want to just briefly just introduce yourself and and um what you do and and um where you're working and, and why we're here i guess oh okay well uh we're here because you emailed me <laughs> <laughs> um uh, and and actually one of the interesting things i do is sometimes is ask other people why why they wanted to talk to me because i do so many different things mm-hmm. but the short version of this you do edit right we're not like yeah yeah okay, I, so I, I it's, it's okay that i can go yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, go for it it's fine okay so the uh, the basically um, I my first degree was actually psychology, uh, but right. I have a PhD from MIT in, in artificial intelligence, and so I'm mostly known for my artificial intelligence. Although these days I'm getting more known for my AI ethics. So AI ethics was originally something I sort of did on the side while I was mm. doing my PhD. I noticed that um, well, I noticed people kept coming up to me and telling me that this pile of motors that didn't work at all, that it would be unethical to unplug it, and I was like, well, it's not plugged in. And, and I realized they just had no concept of what actually created ethical obligation. And at that time, I thought, well, gee, that's strange. And hey, I, I'm an MIT PhD student. I think it's strange. It must actually be strange, and I should write it up. It was a very Victorian idea of science, mm-hmm. you know. So I did write it up, and we put it in. It, eventually, we got into some really crappy cybernetics <laughs> meeting or whatever. And so ultimately, that paper got into Ijkai, uh, another version that we wrote like 10 years later. Um, mm. oh, what was that called? That's- it was called Just an Artifact. I can't remember which is which. One, the one version is just an artifact, and the other one's yeah. just another artifact. But yeah. anyway, the point is that um, a lot of the things, actually, and this is really interesting and important about mm. AI, um, uh, a lot of the things that we worry about with AI either aren't going to happen at all, or they're true, but they're also true of other artifacts. And it's actually quite interesting that um, in some ways it might be good that we, we're, that we suddenly have this personified kind of technology that makes us attend to what we are doing um, yeah. with, with our society, with, with our lives, and the, the vulnerabilities we have to technology. But um, I think, in other ways, it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, 
uh, on that point of um, it being relative to other things, um, mm -hmm. I think um, you mentioned the robotics uh, 2012 or 10, six, yeah, um, the UK put together like, here's... Oh, sure, the EPSFC principles yes, of robotics. Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah, so I wrote, this is really, I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm sorry, I digress, but I'll do, it. I'll do this quick digression. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, the first piece of policy I ever did was this 2010 thing, which um, it wasn't just me, and I, and I wasn't the one who started it, and I have no idea how they found me, but they, uh, they you know, suddenly somebody really did notice uh, mm. my papers, and um, I was in one of, I don't remember, like 30 people that was invited to this meeting. Um, it was called the EPSRC Robotics Retreat, yep. and it seemed like they did it because they sort of thought they ought to do it, but they weren't really producing a product. It was a three-day meeting, and, you know, lots of people, you know, fairly expensive uh, uh, um, person that was uh, chairing it all and things like that. Uh, yeah. um, I forgot her name off the top of my head. Anyway, you know, famous television personality wow. chairing it and things like that, and, you know, yeah, yeah. all down in New Forest. And yet there was no deliverable. And all of us, you know, as much as we like, you know, you might think like oh, academics like not working and, you know, sitting around in hotels or whatever, but actually we had lots and lots and lots of things to do. And so for three days, we needed to have some product. And so actually it was on a breakout session that me and Lillian Edwards said, why don't we replace the Asimov's laws? Because yep. every, that's what everybody thinks of and they don't actually solve the problem. Yeah. And so we drafted up the, the first, the principles of robotics, and then the whole meeting said, like, what a great idea, and we just spent the rest of the meeting fixing that. So obviously our first guest was, you know, so it really was the product of all, all the people there. And, and ultimately, with a lot of work and consensus building, we, we wound up with something we could all sign. Yeah. Um, and actually, that process is documented in one of the papers that's coming out this year. Uh, there was a fifth anniversary meeting about the principles of robotics at the AISB last year. The AISB is actually the oldest AI meeting there is, which was founded in Edinburgh. It's actually a right. British, British meeting. It's the original AI meeting from 53 years ago. But wow. anyway, yeah. last year's meeting yeah. was in Sheffield, and, um, and we had an entire special issue about, I'm special, at the time it was a symposium, it's turned into a special issue of various people's thinking about the EPSRC principles and where they're going and what they're good for and whether they should be changed and things like that. Yeah, I think one of the things that struck me with the principles is that when you're saying it, uh, some people have um, this idea of AI and it's actually can be put on other things. That's what struck me with actually some of those those principles that actually some of those things could be relevant to other things as well or like uh, you know, are advantageous for other things, or, or yeah. Um, well, no, I mean, actually, that's sort of the point. We we were uh, you, you can actually look. There's five principles, and you could almost look at it like there's um, the first three are basically saying, "Look, it's a product," hmm. and then the last two are saying, "Look, you own it." <laughs> yeah, and it, so it, it, the and that's why it's different from Asimov's laws. The obligations are for the robot. Here, yeah. the obligations are towards. The, uh, the the manufacturers who produce it and and that, make, that produce commercial products mm -hmm. and the and then secondly to the to the well so for example the final one is uh, that you the fifth one is that they have to be you have to be able to tell whose robot a robot is right right and 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 it's directly analogous to a car so mm. we're actually taking something and that was the thing Lillian Edwards is you know some genius law professor. The whole thing was that we were making it so that you didn't have to change British law very much, uh, or at all, basically. Yeah. You're just saying, look, we need to make this fit within British law, and, yeah. and, and that robot should just be an ordinary part of our society. That's just an extension of what we already have. Yeah, and that makes it productized yeah. and 
you can legislate right. it and insure it and all those sorts of things that yeah, come along with exactly. that. Exactly. But yeah. some people, um, I mean, there is a nonlinearity here because it is autonomous. But but we already sort of had that. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, my French is terrible, so I'll just say the English translation. Mm. There was a painting. It's actually in the uh, Edinburgh Gallery of Modern Art. It's but it's a famous French painting of a governor. You know the, those things. They spin around and they help monitor the correct uh, speed for like a loom or something like that. Okay. Yeah. And and it's actually the title in French is "Woman Without Adult Girl Without a Mother." Yeah. So I think there was already this fascination by the fact that this was this was sensing and acting, and it, you know this is yeah. from a couple hundred years ago. I think I can't actually. I saw uh, uh, the thing was built a couple hundred years ago, but the painting I think was 20th century actually. But was anyway, that, was that a Duchamp uh, painting? It sounds like something he would do. Yeah. Um, I, anyway. I, could, I could show you on my phone because <laughs> I, I, I just saw the uh, I just saw the special exhibition, so we could figure that out. I but think anyway. maybe I could um, insert something there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so insert the correct answer. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm terrible yeah. with names. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, one of my favourite artists, actually. Um, it's like green and gold leaf. Yeah, I, I do think I know what... which painting I'm talking yeah, yeah, about. Exactly. Been to Edinburgh Minor Art Gallery. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, he, he he went through a lot of different phases. Is that what you mean? Yeah, like, like yeah, so, exactly. like during the actual World War II, there was some weird social realism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, I yeah. just saw him in Zurich, a special issue, so I, I special, oh. a special exhibit of, of that. So that's why. Yeah. So it's, it's not. It's like a not a new thing. In a no, way. Oh, right. So the yeah. point, yeah. So the point is that um, it isn't new, although it's relatively new. It's only been a few hundred years that we've had machines that could take actions, mm -hmm. right? But it's still not totally brand new. And and in in some ways, I mean, some people consider companies to be artificial intelligence, right? So then you have a different set of problems. And uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. The, yeah. The the, the the where do you want to go with this? I think I uh, know. This is a brilliant segue. Um, <laughs> Joanna. Yes. Hi. Hi. Um, so usually the first thing um, I actually um, ask uh -huh. is, what is that, um, AI, what is artificial intelligence to oh. you? What oh, is that's it? easy. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's just to me. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so the most important thing is to understand intelligence. Mm -hmm. And then um, from a computer science perspective, whether it's artificial or natural is sort of neither here nor there. It's isomorphic. Um, so the the what is intelligence? It's the capacity to do the right thing at the right time. Right now, normally you need to put a few more qualifications on that because you could say, well, a rock is doing the right thing in some sense, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. but the um, so normally we say doing doing the right thing at the right time in response to a dynamic environment. Yeah. So that means that something unpredictable happens, and then you're able to to uh, to compensate for that unpredictable thing. Right. So by that definition, incidentally, plants are intelligent. Because right. they enact actions. Because they perceive something yep. dynamic. So, I'm, you know, in the wild, plants are growing with other plants. And, yep. you know, some part of the plant no longer gets light. They, it drops that part off. And there's some part, part over here that is getting light. It grows mm -hmm. that direction. It's responding yep. to an environment that's dynamic. Okay, slowly dynamic, but yep. still dynamic. And... Um, but, I mean, in that sense, if we made a, a machine or, like, mm -hmm. something artificial that did that, then that would still be quite phenomenal, I would say. Well... Even phenomenal. if it's something um, simple like that, some sort of... Yeah, um, I mean, that's what... Phenomenal is an interesting way to, to put it. Um, one of the things I'm trying to say mm. is it's kind of ordinary and that we've been doing it for a while, but maybe you're right, you mm. know? And that's one of the arguments I often make is that if you 
took a calculator back 500 years, you'd be burned at the stake, right? Yeah. You know, so what we think is ordinary now, and we can all, you know, like kids and for school projects, make little calculators, like they learn to build little circuit boards right. or whatever. Yeah. Right. So we all know how to do it to some extent. Okay. If you if you don't know how to do it, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but basically, sure. we can look yeah. up how to do it and and, and yeah, at least yeah. you know, add up to eight or something on a on a calculator. But. Um, but the point is that uh, it's so it's both ordinary and phenomenal, and and I think the reason that we tend to think of AI as so then what happens is you say oh but calculators aren't AI. Yeah. I, I've literally heard a professor, a full professor of, of uh, compu- you know artificial intelligence, say, oh driverless cars they're not AI, and you're just like what you know? Yeah. A driverless car is sensing and acting in an incredibly uh, difficult environment. It's doing all kinds of things that humans do. You know, it has yeah. to be able to. Uh, the only thing it doesn't do that a human does is pick where it's going. Yeah. But it picks the way that it goes. And it, and it's responding to other people and it's dealing with emergencies and, you know, all yeah. kinds of things. And so to me, that's absolutely intelligent. Yeah. But the... Um, so I think the reason that we uh, don't recognize intelligence when we see it is because we think intelligent means human. Mm-hmm. And so it has a whole lot of other baggage on top of it. Yeah. And so one of the things I really work on is to try to get people to divide all those terms up. Because you know, human means human. You don't really need intelligence to mean human. Yeah. And conscious means something, too. I mean, conscious, if you're a psychologist, there's some really interesting things about why are you conscious some of the time, why are you not conscious some of the time. Um, why are you, you know, at the same time, conscious of some things and not of other things, right? Hmm. Um, so you're awake, but, and you're, you're conscious in the sense of being awake. See, already we have two meanings of conscious here. So there's the conscious, which means I'm awake, mm-hmm. but I'm only conscious mostly of what you're saying and what's on your face or whatever, because I'm looking at you. Yep. And, and I might not be noticing, like, your, your hand gesture. Okay, now I'm talking about it, so I notice it, but I might have unconsciously been um, noticing your hand gestures before, and it might have affected, like, somehow the way, you know, turn-taking and things like that. Yeah. So... Um, so we have nice, neat, well, even there, as I just pointed out, we have a sloppy, uh, dualistic definition of conscious, but we don't need to actually also saddle that word with something that we're ethically obliged to. There's a yeah. word for that. It's called moral, moral, well, the thing that's responsible for its own actions is called a moral agent, and mm-hmm. the thing that we're responsible to take care of is called a moral patient. Right. And um, there's also something called a moral subject, which is basically both of those things. Right. And then you can have philosophical debates about whether it's possible to be a moral subject and not um, a moral agent. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. And I, I think I've, yeah, I mean, there's kind of moralistic mazes or kind of analogies that help us with um, playing with that sort of environment and how that would play out. Um, and Asimov um, kind of did some of that um, for us and started down that kind of, um, I've made this analogy and it has a robot in it it has humans in it and then messes with um how the autonomy affects the humans and vice versa um which is kind of neat and now we're doing this in, in different ways i think well, there's the patient um turning there's a lot to do with turning off machines and whether the machines it's not doing anything but in turning it off are you making it a patient and and even though it can't well, no, because if, if, I mean, I would say that when you turn yeah. it off, then even if it had any patients before, while it's off, it doesn't because nothing can affect it, right? Right. So that's not an issue. Although, but the thing is, as humans, we're very um, concerned about the passage of time and, and death and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't say as humans, as animals. That's, that's something we inherit from being evolved systems, mm-hmm. right? So that's, that's <laughs> just fairly basic. Yeah. And, um, but, but the fact, so there, 
that we're understanding these complicated artifacts by identifying with them um, means that unfortunately we do a lot of inaccurate work on it too. It's 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 a it's a it's a fundamental way to get tricked by con artists too, right? You know that. that but this isn't deliberate by the AI. I'm just yeah. saying that that generally speaking. Assuming someone else is pretty much like you is a pretty good way to guess what they might want to do. But, um, but in the case of artificial intelligence, it isn't... In fact, one of the things that drives me crazy is we have tons and tons and tons of artificial intelligence all around us, changing our lives, changing what it means to be human, affecting things like you know, our privacy, our liberty. Mm -hmm. And people don't think it's artificial intelligence because it doesn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right? Yeah. And and on the other hand, you have these things, these these robots that you know. And I understand it. There's the the pepper robot, for example, beautiful thing. You know, you cannot help but be emotionally engaged by it. And yet, I know it's deceptive. I'm angry about it, like I'm angry about certain personal uh, politicians that we weren't going to mention. You know, mm. yeah. <laughs> when I just see them, when I realize it's sort of a deception, and it's a deception that's really doing damage. To some extent, if you're convincing people, like, oh, this is this is something to worry about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's the, it's the um, uh, what's the word? You know, humanization of an inanimate system, almost, or a um, anthropomorphizing something which shouldn't be. Would in, you like some more tea? In your opinion, uh, I think I'm done for tea. Actually, yeah, that's uh, I've had my two cups. Yeah, and, uh, okay, I've only had one. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Anyway, where were we going? Um, okay. You were saying that. Oh, I, I. The thing about humanization there is that's already ambiguous. So the so the identification is when you see something that's there, and you can and you um, you sort of export from yourself an understanding, and then mm -hmm. and then see it in this way that may be inaccurate. But of course, because it is an artifact, we could also humanize it. We could actually make it more like a human. Yeah. I mean, that was what the again Asimov bicentennial man was about. Like, yeah. in order to get socially accepted, the thing had to become you know finite or whatever. Yeah. Right. And and so. Um, and so that's like a fairly fundamental thing. One of my, my second paper actually makes this point that you have the right to autosave. So you shouldn't worry, even, even if we go a direction I wouldn't expect to go, and yeah. your best friend is AI or whatever. Yeah. You shouldn't have to worry about whether, like, whether to save it or whatever. It's just, there's no reason. It could be backed up, you know, yeah. wireless. Yeah, yeah. So. That's a really interesting point. That's, that's not something that we've um, covered as yet. The kind of um, having some sort of attachment to a machine and then... Um, the possibility of losing that machine and anxiety attached to that, yeah. and, and that's almost stupidity because, like you said, there's there's right. so much technology um, preventing that from being right. Realized. Exactly, we could be mass we could mass produce it, and we can and we can have the the mind backed up to a cloud yeah. somewhere, and then and then you well the mind's experiences, right? The things that dis discriminate your robot from anybody else's is basically the experiences it's had of you, so that you yeah. have. So that it, what you've trained it, whatever. But anyway, you don't need to worry that it. it's not like your dog, you know, <laughs> because you can back it up. It's not an evolved system, um, and it's uh, now notice you could. But like I said, you could. There's like games, you know, computer games like this where there is no way to back up your your character, and some people prefer playing that. Mm. And so this is a question of, you know, what what do what do we what kind of standards do we want to have, and they can be different for commercial products. Um, they could be different for entertainment versus domestic use. Yep. Um, and of course, for art, you know, anybody can do anything they want. There's a lot of art that's unique, you know, yeah. unique objects. But, um, but yeah, I do really worry about the deception. I mean, one of the things that my group does is that we, I have two PhD students right now, and they're yep. working on making it easier 
Well, what they've shown is that the same stuff that we'd already been working on, it's called systems AI. We're, we're trying to make it easier to build AI. But exposing those tools to ordinary people that, that maybe don't know anything about computers or robots mm -hmm. already helps them to see that even though if you just saw the robot, you might think it was some kind of animal. If yeah. you see how, how it's making decisions, or even just that it's making decisions, maybe you don't even understand it, but just seeing the internal state of, the, yeah. of what's of behind the motion is enough to make you get a better idea of like what your relationship is to that it's really an artifact, you know, whatever. Yeah. That it's not it's not afraid or something, you know, yeah. it's just it's just lost. <laughs> you don't attribute it to having any feelings and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. But the thing that I wonder, and it's there's no way to really check, is um, if we exp if we did the exact same thing with a person, would you then also be more dismissive of the person? Because it might be part right. of what we uh, try to do. That we, that, like I said, we, we sort of believe that humans are magic, and so yep. if you demagic it, would it, would it, um, would that make you feel less an ethical obligation towards it? Which I think that would be bad. I think uh, that's already happening with neuroscience um, and um, determinist views in neuroscience and, and physics, and and that sort of uh, brain activity is almost uh, dehumanizing the magic. Um, there's been a lot of complaints. I mean, that was one of the reasons that Dawkins wrote his his book, The Unweaving a Rainbow, or whatever. That that right. he was said that you know somebody sent him a, a letter saying that oh now that I've read your book I want to kill myself or something. I I which is terrible. I, I yeah, it's yeah, tragic. Yeah. But but it's but it's at the same time. Uh, I don't think that the world is less wonderful. I mean, he argues, but I don't know how persuasively that the world is not less wonderful. I mean, we, we uh, the who are scientists, really enjoy trying to pick up all these details and understanding yeah. how things work. Um, whether other people were happier believing that it was all magic, I don't know. And it's, it's sort of hard to measure. And, and, you know, if you say, well, would you rather have the happiness of magic or, or you know, medical cures? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, you might even say the happiness of magic until it's your partner that, that's in the hospital. <laughs> and then you're suddenly going, no, 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 medical cures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Maybe there's a happy medium, you know? There might be, yeah. Um, you, you mentioned your group. Um, mm -hmm. Is that the uh, Momi? <laughs> It's supposed to be a pun on anime, so it's Amony. Amony, right, okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway, nobody ever gets it. <laughs> I have a weird sense of humor sometimes. Damn. <laughs> yeah, so, but I, I think there's actually is, it actually is some people's names, because I was trying to grab the, the thing, so I, yeah. I should find out how they pronounce it. <laughs> but, huh? but we pronounce it Amony. Amony, yeah. yep. And what does, what's that? It, on the website it says artificial models of natural intelligence. Right. Um, so your focus is kind of like... Um, exploring evolution and natural occurring systems? Right. Well, the, the whole reason that I originally was uh, getting the systems AI PhD was actually because I wanted to understand, as I said, psychology. Yeah. I was trying to understand how humans worked. And, I, and the one really good way to do that is to build models and trying to understand things. So that was how I visualized when I first came here. That was the, you know, mostly we were trying to do science and in order to support the science, we were building some tools. And honestly, mm. it was often the PhD students who were working with me on the science, and then like master students and undergraduates who were building the tools. Right. Um, but it's the emphasis has changed just because the world's changed. I've been in Bath now for 15 years, and um, now, for example, the, as I said, the ethics has become really salient. Everybody is the the European Parliament is proposing that the European Commission should legislate that there should be a government body for, for regulating artificial intelligence. And mm. that absolutely makes sense to me. I mean, it totally makes sense that we need to be thinking about how information technology is affecting our economy, our individual liberty, like I said, our security, yep. all of these things. It totally makes sense to me. So it's becoming something that's as much a part of um, 
our society and therefore needs to be governed. I mean, government is not some e weird, evil alien. Government is the way that we uh, we cooperate to to to, to come to agreements, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And just like um, healthcare and the environment need government uh, oversight, so does artificial intelligence. I have, I have no problem with that. And uh, yeah. Would, it, would you be excited to get the call and uh, make some sort of contribution to that effort? Oh, yeah, sure. I Yeah, I like Brussels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, living there, I mean, you know. But, yeah. but, but, um, but no, I, I think it's absolutely, I mean, it's frustrating right now because I'm getting amazingly cool research done and I really feel like I want to spend all my time building some of the models. I mean, yeah. we're working on super important stuff. Like right now, um, I'm working actually not with my PhD students, with uh, the head of politics at Princeton on this problem of understanding why it is that wealth inequality, when you have high wealth inequality, you also tend to have high political polarization. Right. So this seems like the most important thing I could be working on, except what I'm actually expert in is, is AI and ethics and yeah. human behavior, although these are actually correlated, because again, one of the big questions is AI contributing to wealth inequality. Incidentally, not directly, um, we've had this happen before, but it is the current technology, or one of the current technologies. Mm -hmm. so it's, I think it's the, also the communication technologies in general that are causing this situation. But anyway, we yeah. could go there if we wanted to, but <laughs> I wanted to, to get back to the point. The point is that, um, yeah, we don't live forever. And at this point, the taxpayers have, have uh, massively invested, uh, taxpayers on multiple continents have massively mm. uh, invested in my education. I've learned a bunch of stuff, I've, you know, and, and if I can give back by, by helping, you know, uh, with the government process, of course I would. I think it's yeah. an obligation that, that if you hit that point where you're useful, you should, you should help. Yeah, yeah. So. so what are the kind of models that you have been producing in, in that um, with your PhD students? Oh, uh, well, the... I mean, you kind of you said quite vaguely that you were producing, you know, models. And All right. um, what does that kind of entail? I mean... Well, so most of the models that uh, we build for science yeah. is actually agent-based models, which is kind of ironic. I sort of thought we were going to need to use all these complicated things we're building to build these, these complex cognitive models. Yeah. But actually, when you're trying to understand basic things like about how does communication affect cooperation, it turns out that you don't need to have all these complicated psychological stuff. You can actually, uh, you can just look at some basic dynamics about like, um, you know, uh, well, here's an example. People for a while, from like, I don't know, sort of the 1980s until sometime around 2000, mm. sort of thought that there was no way evolution could explain uh, cooperation. And I'm, I'm st overstating it a little bit. Yeah. But but there was this, this problem that mathematically, if you modeled it, it made no sense that you would cooperate. And right. so people would say, um, oh, if you appear to be cooperating, you must be doing something else. Maybe you're manipulating the other person, right, or maybe right, you're right. trying to signal your fitness like a giant peacock tail or something like yeah. that. Well, what it turns out is that's completely wrong. Um, and the difference was, so if, if you can be generous to other people around you, mm -hmm. that makes sense as long as they are also generous, right? And yep. so the, 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 pro the trick is that um, it works so long as the, the thing that makes you generous is likely to be shared by a bunch of the people that you're generous to. Yep. Okay, so basically you can select for cooperation as long as you're more likely to benefit that that cooperative yeah. trait, and it doesn't matter if that's being that's a genetic trait or if it's a social trait that's being communicated socially. Either way, mm. um, it works. Yeah. So why were the mathematicians not seeing that, and why and why were we able? We were one of the groups that, that was that showed an early result about this in around yeah. 2005 or something. It was because um, 
they had uh, over, it turns, I just told you that you, it, you need to be, uh, it needs to sort of disproportionately help people that, that are likely to help. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that happens in the real world so long as, um, as you tend to be born near your mother and it tends to take a finite amount of time to move a distance. Right. All right, which basically means all of the time. And, and if yeah. you look around uh, the world, every animal, every plant actually is made out of multiple genes that are all cooperating. Cooperation is ubiquitous. Competition is also ubiquitous, but mm. cooperation is just as ubiquitous as competition. Um, but in the math, they eliminated time and space because they just seemed like unnecessary complications. Right. And so then it made no sense. Yep. So without time and space, you would not cooperate. And yep. that's actually, going back to AI and ethics, one of the reasons I really hate this stuff, and this isn't quite AI, but yeah. the idea of trying to make yourself immortal. Because the longer you live, the less uh, uh, motivation you have to, to help others, yeah, basically. To do good. And, and yeah. that's a, that, well, I want, it's not just, to, I, I don't want to say that entirely, yeah. but it's, um, it's not, and you could still be motivated. So there's, there's an infinite number of ways to do it. But right now, there isn't an option for us to try to live forever. Yeah. So we can't just invest only in ourselves. It doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. And so basically, the trade-offs, the, <laughs> the more you can invest in yourself, the, the more trade-offs there are that you might wind up choosing not to invest in others, although you, you, know, you still could. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it would still make sense. And, with, and I mean, that's all, like, um, not obvious, but, like, fascinating for our own condition. Right. What impact does that make on the condition of um, artificial intelligence? All right, so you're so now we're moving over towards thinking about the artificial intelligence as a patient itself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. So this is actually a really complicated question. I mean, because to answer that question, that's when you really do have to go, uh, uh, well, deeply philosophical, basically. Because yeah. the, the point is, then you have to say, what is it that really matters? And when you get down to it, there isn't anything that really matters. I mean, what does it mm. mean, you know? There's stuff that really, really matters to humans, but yes. things only matter relative to other things, right? Yep. And for us, like I said, we care about things like, you know, living forever, uh, 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 having successful children, having uh, friends we can rely on that won't, that won't stab us in the back, so whatever, that we can go out and see. Why? Because we're mm. involved, we're, we're, we're monkeys, basically. So yeah. we really, really need coalition partners, and we really, really want to pass our genes into the future. And, yeah. you know, so there's, those are things that highly motivate us. And so I've always argued that I think, you know, I can imagine, because, hey, I've read all the sci-fi, too. Well, yeah. At least all the old sci-fi. I've been busy lately. You haven't been, like, closing your, your eyes <laughs> right, to right. it. Right, yeah. No, I love it, too. I mean, come yeah. on, we all love it, right? You know, but the... But the um, so I can imagine it, but I don't actually, as a scientist, think it's coherent that we could pass our values to something else that's not also some kind of a ape, right? Yeah. It, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and, and also, you know, so, so there's... Yeah, a lot of things that we would share in common with, with apes, but that they wouldn't have some of our other motivations because they don't have access to language. Yeah. Um, but, um, so I think I've written down here, um, that kind of argument and also the Robots are Slaves um, uh, piece that you wrote, um, which you obviously kind of not go back on, but say you don't like the the terminology. Do you want me to do that whole thing? Uh, we'll come back to it. Okay. But in that in, in that frame of mind, you're basically saying that um, robots or artificial intelligence or artificial things can never have um, human type rights, basically, because you're not attributing uh, things that um, like. Um, 
feelings or um, life and death to those things and therefore um, they can never be kind of like socially um, introduced. Um, you've got something so, fundamentally wrong here. Yes. Uh, the thing that you have fundamentally wrong is that I would never say that this couldn't happen. Right, okay, okay? cool, yeah. So the point is that um, both our ethical system mm -hmm. and our robots are artifacts. Yeah. So like I just said, we could make a robot like this a piece of art that we would be obliged to try to keep around, right? Yep. And we could also, as um, the European Parliament has discussed, just make it a law, which is part of our ethical system, mm -hmm. that um, that that we're obliged, you know, that robots have rights. We're obliged to. So we could yep. do those kinds of things. I'm only arguing, well, there's two things. First of all, what I was just arguing is yep. that that's incoherent, and I don't, you know, that, that it sounds like a good idea, but it doesn't actually make sense when you get down to it. And mm -hmm. I could go into details about some, some of the reasons that's a bad idea. Yep. But the other thing is that I, I generally say it's not that we can't do it, it's that we shouldn't. Yes, yeah. And so actually the, the, the real title of the, the, the book chapter you're talking about is uh, Robots Should Be Slaves, right? Yeah. And the, that's actually slightly wrong, <laughs> because what the, what the, if you actually bother to read the chapter, which not everybody who gets angry about the title does, right. it actually says, robots will be owned, mm. and so we should build them not to mind being owned. Yeah. And so the reason I recanted the title a little bit is, of course, everyone who's ever actually been a slave does mind being owned. And, yeah. that's, and so that's why it's sort, of, it's sort of wrong. But what I was trying to do, I'd written two previous papers uh, about AI ethics that hadn't really grabbed people's attention. And so that's, this time I sort of MIT did. I was like, I'm going to write a title that people will pay attention to. And yeah. it worked. And I think that's part of the reason I got to be you know, able to do this policy work that I've been doing. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I totally agree. I think. Um, um, we we create the things and therefore we can create them in various different ways and, and right. part of that is is how should we do that and yeah. um, what are the things that we shouldn't do yeah um, for and sure the, and the and the desire to create something that you're ethically obliged to is completely natural it's you know it's, it's as i just said it's basic and biological you can understand why pe we want to make something we're, we're obliged to yeah and so that's why it is a kind of discipline um some people say that like i'm, I'm sort of arguing for ai asceticism but look, that's what ethics is. Nobody sets up ethics to, to get you to do stuff that you're already going to do anyway, right? That, that's yeah. the, I shouldn't say it. I think fundamentally what ethics is, is it's the way that a society self-organizes. So it doesn't mean it has to be awful, right? Mm. It actually, there's a lot of pleasure in having you know, harmony and coherence, right? But, but the point is that it, it's about how do you cooperate with people. And, and usually you make a rule because there was a bunch of people that, that found defecting fun. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. So you try and bring them back in. Right, like, right. Yeah. You're, trying, you're trying to find, you know, of all the ways to have fun, let's do it in ways that, that allows most people to be relatively happy or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, some, obviously, it's very hard to come cohesion, up. Again, back to yeah. this uh, statement about the, uh, the, 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 um, the fundamental questions of, of morality are hard, yeah. you know, coming yeah. up with what you're ultimately doing. I, I, uh, I think that the, I'm actually thinking, and this is, again, this is kind of a digression that you might think, but mm. it falls out of the research in, in these kinds of questions. I think that we ought to be rethinking all of ethics in just in terms of theoretical biology. Yeah. And people don't want to go there because they, because they associate biology with determinism. Mm -hmm. I don't. <laughs> if you're worried about determinism, go read, you know, Dan Dennett or something, you know, read, read, read uh, Freedom Evolves or, or Elbow Room or something. Yeah. Or, or whoever you like on that topic. So I, 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 you know, the idea of free will and the idea of justice are things that 
our society has uh, evolved because it's useful for us, for our mm. self-organizing and for our perpetuation. And I think they're useful ideas we shouldn't let go of, right? And, and to me, that's, that's what matters. Right? Yeah. And, and when people say, oh, but if I can understand how this works, then there is no justice, like, or whatever. It's yeah, like, no, yeah, yeah. even if you can say, and that, that, so that's the trying to get, like, no, you don't need the magic part, and the, then the other part still holds. So you are responsible. Um, and of course, we also, as a society, might decide that we're responsible to try to help you if you can't help something. But, but on the other hand, the concept of free will and the concept of responsibility hmm. does help a lot of people regulate their lives. Yep. And, and it does help us build these you know, beautiful structures like this, you know, because we're probably not going to steal any of these books in our backpacks, even though these guys probably wouldn't search it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't so. say too loudly. Yeah. Um, so... Um, do you, um, there's this question of kind of intelligence um, being attributed to machines. Um, and do you think it would be more advantageous to evolve intelligence, which would be an interesting way of doing it, or by uh, designing or creating as if by a omnipotent designer or um, intelligent design, um, some sort of... Um, you know, maybe let's say a general AI, something like that. Okay. Do you think? Um, oh, well, you have a lot of things packed together there, so let's, yeah, let, yeah, me, yeah. let me stop and, and, and pull a couple apart. Yeah. First of all, even if we choose to design something by evolution, mm -hmm. then we still choose to design it. Yes. So again, people talk to me, in fact, my students say, very good question, hardly ever gets asked. But surely, when I, you know, surely AI is also a product of evolution because it's a product of us and we're a product of evolution. Yeah. Well, yes, but this goes back to this thing about responsibility. Responsibility is responsibility and justice and, and obligation um, are things that we've found to be useful for organizing us, and we've got them now. Mm. And so, what defines an artifact is that it has a designer, and so we are designing whether we use evolution for part of that design or not. Yeah. It not, no one just conceives of an algorithm and then suddenly spontaneously generates a robot. But that's, that um, stabs to the heart of uh, the machine learning kind of debates. And um, there's lots of debates around um, uh, insurance and things like that to do with uh, um, automated cars because oh. they work, they could be working with machine learning and you may design it and you might put that um, thing in motion, but actually you don't necessarily know what that motion is going to be at the end of the day because it's, right. it's you know, inverted commas learning. <laughs> so I actually think that a lot of this is people, um, well, don't forget, I already said some people really want to create life or whatever. Yeah, they want to yeah. pass the responsibility off. But a lot of it, I also think, is a big smokescreen of people trying to get out of responsibility for doing proper uh, care and concern about the release of their products. And that was one of the things the principles of robotics were really trying to uh, right. make sure we didn't do. And that's one of the things I'm really trying to make sure that the European Commission doesn't do when they do their legislation. And so that's part of the reason. I mean, I actually already have um, some law professors lined up in the, in the case, if they do legislate that there's a possibility of AI um, e-personhood, mm -hmm. then we would uh, sue to try to show that that law is incoherent. Right. Okay. Um, so so, so you know, I've been working on this problem yeah, for yeah, a yeah. while. Uh, but I'm slightly digressed now. Where, where, no, where no, that's we, great. That's great. The, uh, so oh. you're standing, you're ready for the European um, legislation to come in and then... If it comes in. We're hoping that. We're, we're working hard to make sure it doesn't come in. Right, right? okay. Yep. So, so um, but if it comes in, then that would be the thing we would do next, right? Yep. We would really... And the reason for that is because 
basically what I see is happening is like they're saying, oh, wouldn't it be great? This would solve our problems with insurance. And it's similar to the Norwegian model or something yeah. that the car itself would get the money that it's paid, that, that, that it generates. And then the car itself would pay taxes and the car itself would have wow. pay for liability insurance. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But see, this is what happens with uh, corporations. I mean, in general, uh, people, let's go, let's step back before, before yeah. I mentioned about, um, moral agents. Mm -hmm. So a legal person is very much like a moral agent. There's this basic concept that some people um, have access to the law, have an understanding of the law, um, and are actually therefore basically citizens, members of the society. This actually goes back yeah. to before everybody was, you know, like, so some people were actually, they're, they're what all the rules and ethics are for, right? Yeah. And so that's why they have these arguments about, like, can you be a moral agent or can you, be, can you be a moral subject without being a moral agent? So they're actually trying to say, like, I have slaves and you don't have to do anything about them or something. You know? yeah, so that yeah, was sort of, yeah. they were sort of like trying to come up with excuses for like, you know, your patiency doesn't make sense here. Yeah. Right. And that's, of course, why some people are saying, oh, don't, you know, that, that but we can't make that mistake again. Although, again, this is a feminist issue. I have digressed again. But anyway, <laughs> this is a very big feminist <laughs> issue, which is that. If what you learned from the feminist movement was that a machine might be as much like a man as a woman is like a man, yep. then you haven't learned enough from the feminist movement yet. Yeah. <laughs> but the, anyway, the um, all right, okay, so, yeah. so legal personhood is this thing. These are the people who can have rights and obligations mm -hmm. legally in society. Yep. And a lot of people say, well, why are companies legal persons? Yes. And part of the reason is that for hundreds of years it's been that way and a lot of the law is set up to accommodate that. Yeah. But the but the excuse is basically that companies are a lot like humans, like people. So companies can uh, know their rights and, 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 uh, and notice that this was an important part. You cannot mm. actually be a legal person if you can't pursue your own rights you just because then you become something that has welfare that other people things take care of but you don't have rights you have welfare right okay okay yeah so the um so so uh which is part of the incoherence of the rights of the unborn right so yeah. they're not able to pursue their own rights they, yeah, yeah. They and that's the really big issue in the states at the moment and, well it's an issue and anyway so let's let's say let's not take a shot down that direction so the, the point is that um right so the other thing, though, is that they can they can be subject to the same sanctions. So you know, every since I mean, you mm. can look at the chimpanzees, and if they don't like what each other's doing, they beat each other up or whatever, right? So yeah. if we 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 have certain sets of things that we do to people that we don't think are doing the right thing. You know, we take away their liberty, we take yeah. away their property, um, we basically shorten their lives in various ways, <laughs> and and. And we can do the same thing to corporations, and corporations also care. They also care about social status. They also yeah. care about wealth. You know, they care about the things that the, the the kinds of things you do to it. With a machine, there's. I mean, you could imagine building a machine that would care about those things, but that yeah. would be kind of artificial because whatever you put in to care about that, you could take back out again. Yeah, right? it's not. So inherent. it's definitionally artificial. Sorry. Yeah. 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 So so the so the basic argument here is that the reason um, you know the reason that chimpanzees. Uh, can't be legal persons is that they can't know and pursue their own their own needs, mm -hmm. uh, their own legal own legal stuff, right? Yep. Their own rights. Um, and the reason machines can't are, is is not that they, I, I'm happy to think that they might know. I mean, these books in some sense know mm. their right. You know, if, if it's a book about rights, it would know rights, right? <laughs> but it, yeah. know, so in that case, it couldn't pursue them. But a computer could maybe pursue its rights. Yes. But what kind of sanctions could be subject to? And so the thing is that even with the legal persons that are corporations. Mm -hmm. There are already corporations that create sort of fake corporations yes. to take out the liability. And so that then, then, so humans, we figured out a long time ago that debtors' prisons don't work. 
And so we allow the pe people to go bankrupt. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't let companies go bankrupt, but we do. Yeah. All right. And so when the company goes bankrupt, then all the people that had investment in that don't have a problem. Mm -hmm. So if you have a company that you don't want to have dissolved and you don't want to th sell off all its assets when it goes bankrupt, you create another little company, put all the liabilities on that little company, and then allow that one to be nuked. And then you've protected yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So our argument is that that's what people are trying to do with the AI, that they're basically trying to say, okay, if the robot goes wrong, it's the robot's fault. Mm -hmm. And if you've been, you know, horribly maimed in an accident, sue the robot. When the robot runs out of money, which it probably will never have that much money. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, that's it. Yeah. Whereas the corporation that actually was profiting, I mean, think of it this way. What, the way I think about it is literally that a corporation is spinning off, it's, it's automating part of its business process. Right. Yep. So to me, that is still absolutely part of the corporation. Um, and so that's why, to me, that that is just absolutely a way to get out of taxes, because believe me, I, and, and yeah. you want to yeah. make an impression on people that are members of parliament. Right. <laughs> and I haven't done this in British Parliament. This is the, the members of European Parliament. Yeah. But you just sit there in a the room and say, trust me, I'm a programmer. You come up with any law you want about taxation of robots. Yeah. I will come up with the robot, you know, the robots for a company or the, the, the overall design mm. that will, you know, be the least amount of money. It's yeah. not like people. People are accountable, right? It yeah. means something to be a person. With a robot, you can you can construct any number of them to, to evade taxation. So I've got a rebuttal to this. Okay. Want to hear it? Yes, absolutely. Um, cool. So there is an argument to say uh, within ethical frameworks um, historically that machines have been likened to animals in various mm -hmm. ways. Yeah. Which is obviously not a great argument, but we've um, grown through the 20th century to give uh, to attribute some um, moral um, ethical frameworks to animals, right? So we have we have legislated that animals shouldn't be treated in certain ways. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. For sure. Um, and given those rights... Uh, They're not rights. Not rights. That's welfare. Welfare, right. So that's a, yeah. So they're a patient rather than a... Right. They're a patient yeah. without being an agent. Exactly. So they're a moral patient, but they're yeah. not a legal person. Yes. And so they don't have rights. They yes. have welfare. And that's yeah. and actually, that's one of the ways you can usually discriminate the terrorists from the advocates. <laughs> because if they say animal rights, they're probably in favor of bombing clinics or something. Right, right, right. right. So it's, it's actually... Um, it's a fine point, and I don't like yeah. to argue semantics, but I'm just telling you that's kind of a yeah, flying yeah, yeah, sure. up thing. Yeah. So the point is, and this is the point I was trying to make before, if you actually care about the welfare of machines, then build them in a way such they can't suffer. Yeah. That's why I'm saying it's incoherent. It doesn't make sense that we should, that we should build machines that would suffer. Why, yeah. that, so this is actually sort of a second-order moral patience. I'm saying it would be wrong for us to create something that we're obliged to. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. So be, and it's partly that we'd be wrong because we'd be creating that thing that, that would then suffer or whatever it would do, right? Yep. So the, so the point is that, um, yeah, that we're obliged to make things we're not obliged to. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I, I agree. I, I don't think it's, um, it's, it's kind of useful to create something which um, not only are we obliged to, but also has um, some intricacies that humans actually don't want are you know are negative to our own well-beings like getting ill or you know what uh, causing harm um to a robot is uh, unnecessary ability isn't it well you see again this is this thing about um but we you know people can say but yeah but the human condition is beautiful all right but even when you're describing aesthetics mm -hmm. it's hard that is part of us being apes and it's hard to 
imagine, I mean, it's not that hard. We know we can we can go out and find something, uh, build a deep learning network that would that would uh, recognize which of these paintings you liked, right? Yeah. And so you might say, oh, that lines up with my sense of beauty, right? Yep. So you can imagine a machine having a sense of beauty in that sense. But, um, you know, what art, art aesthetics, that has a lot to do with human health, uh, human in-group, out-group recognition, um, you know, these sorts of pieces. And, and what's hard to understand is what the advantage of constructing things that would be competing with us for those resources are. Mm -hmm. And how much would that disrupt our society if we're wor worrying about building these things that can basically be our affect sinks, our, our attention sinks. Um, and I'm using the word sink here like it's like an electric, well, like a computer scientist or like a yeah, electronic. Like a so, ground. so it's a place where everything can go to ground. Yeah. yeah. So basically what I'm saying is that you have, a, you have this bottomless pit because you can keep the, of that will take your attention and make mm -hmm. you maybe make you feel valued. So maybe you live longer or something. Yep. But what would be your actual social value? Maybe it would be better to 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 um, not just sink it down into some AI, but but communicate with other humans. Yep. If you don't like humans, you might say no, no. I'd rather have people <laughs> taking care of machines. But I but again, that's not actually socially stable because you wouldn't be alive if there wasn't some kind of society. That, so, that constructed you. So you have this negative view of the Japanese kind of incorporation of machines into healthcare and things like that. Um, I, I I'm concerned about it. So yeah, that, yeah that's the the. Um, so we actually worked very hard on that with respect to the uh, EPCRC principles. So the fourth principle uh, is the most controversial one, which says that a machine's nature should be transparent. And the concern is that um, if a machine's nature is transparent, then it wouldn't be as useful mm -hmm. in these healthcare situations. Sure. And I don't actually believe that for the very, I, I, it took me years, but I came up with a really simple counterexample, which is that you watch movies and you cry and you laugh and you're deeply invested in the characters. Mm -hmm. Maybe you, you know, some people are more invested in, in television characters than their actual friends, right? Which is another issue, mm. right? But the, um, and you know they're fiction. Right? You know they're fiction. And maybe at some level you don't. I mean, when yeah. people meet actors or actresses, they tend to treat them like as if they were their characters. But on some level, you can ask, ask the question, you know, you know, is Harrison Ford alive? Right? Mm. And, and, and people would come up with an answer that wouldn't matter which movies they'd seen, right? It, it, would, it would have more to do with what newspaper they'd seen. They understand yeah. the difference between movies and newspapers, right? And the, um, so I think that's what we could do. I think we could still have you know, you know, robots that we fall in love with and whatever when mm. we want to. Yep. But then we also would be, we would know, we could be able to say it's a device. Yes. And actually, there's some really interesting work about that that says what happens if people are being raised by things they can turn off? If they're falling in love, quote unquote, I mean, and I think it probably would be, you mm. would feel this real bonding with something you can turn off. How then do you learn to make uh, a peer relationship because peer relationships are essential to to human society so it's not okay that we all think that we you know the, the best things we have you know that we form the strongest relationships with things that we shut off mm. you know it, it's it's uh that's yeah that's not something that's necessarily a positive outcome yeah that sounds like an experiment which wouldn't be good to do but would be an interesting <laughs> outcome <laughs> well i think the thing is that, that and that's what i was going back to that i think to some extent we're already conducting that experiment and right. i and i this is actually i'm thinking about writing a book uh speaking of books hopefully hopefully i'll be sitting here in this in this uh store doing yeah. a book uh, doing a um we should say it again toppings that's great um <laughs> so hopefully i'll be sitting here in toppings doing a, a book thing next year or something but anyway the yeah. name of the book is Ten Thousand years of ai 
and and the the idea is that we we have had all these things and more mm. particularly in the 20th century that the people are really invested in, the, in television and they do give time to television they weren't they're not giving to trying to find you know people to go bowling with or whatever yeah and the um what is the consequence of that for society you know and and what is the consequence of that for families you know the level of you know turn that happens in families and what what is um I, I just heard, and this is like completely, I heard it from a PhD student, so, but I don't know mm. where it came from, that there's already indications that families with, uh, uh, with I don't want to name a name here, but uh, you know, AI devices that you can just talk to from the middle of the room, yep. that that's already disrupting families. Now, that device is so new that it could very yeah. well be that there's just a, a brief disruption, there'll be a new equilibrium. Sure, sure. But, the, but the question is, is, you know, is technology part of why... Um, Nominally, apparently, it seems that that the societies are more. I don't even know if they really are. I, again, yeah, you need yeah, to go yeah. out and get demographers. So I, I remember seeing something that the uh, the level of uh, what was it the level of um, the proportion of society that's illegitimate now is about the same as it was 200 years ago, at least in the Netherlands or someplace where they did a yeah. bunch of uh, you know <laughs> genetic testing, and they're just going, well, how did that work? <laughs> you know, because they didn't have contraception then, right? So obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, 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 or, a, it's a similar proportion. Yeah, it was, yeah. And if a similar proportion is illegitimate, then you know, what's, you know, what is the mechanism? But anyway, so maybe society has always been about the same level, and I don't know, because I'm not a demographer, and I do AI. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is... Um, so the couple of questions I was asked at the end, uh, okay. or nearing the end, because um, they might take us down a, a rabbit hole for sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> How much time do we have? I, I, um, I think uh, a little while. Okay. Um, if that's okay. Okay, a little while. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> okay. like ten minutes. So. Okay. Um, what are you excited about um, in AI in the future? Exciting. Uh, and like everybody else, I love getting the cool new toys, and it's just amazing. I mean. Right now, again, because of the political situation we're not really talking about, one of the things that I'm most looking forward to, which I have no idea how to make it happen, is, is well, but again, we're doing research with mm -hmm. my PhDs on this, is how do we help people understand the complex systems like societies better um, in such a way that they can get through this sort of truthiness thing? Yeah. And, and, and it may be the answer is that you can't, because, in, like I said, in uh, periods of high political polarization, then maybe you know belief. It's more important that belief is tribal, like it, it's telling you in group out group rather than telling you something about the world. And so maybe we mm. just do all start believing weird things. But it'd be nice if we could help people, <laughs> you know, uh, come down more on the side of like the that oh yeah, that actually I can see how that works. That, yeah, the that rational must be true. side. Yeah, because so yeah. there's you know there's this whole thing. I don't know if you know about this thing. It's called conservopedia. Yeah, they're trying to build a, a conservative alternative to Wikipedia, which is seen as liberal. But you know, Wikipedia what? isn't liberal. It's just it's just based in facts, right? But the but being based in facts yeah. is seen as liberal right now by by yeah. because and I th yeah. So that so the the which is interesting. It used to be that science was more seen as conservative, and that the, right. and that the that the left was very suspicious of science and was out in the with the with the flakier opinions yeah, yeah. and whatever. But right now, I think it just shows that actually the left is larger right now or something, that it's able to sit right on on science, more yep. or less. I mean, of course, we all know there's some parts that go off. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and that the right is the ones that sort of pushed off into these edges and fringes and having to have these really strange uh, beliefs. Um, 
I think that indicates that the, that they're they're having more problems, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, that, the, that's that, one of the things we're working on. Right? That just sounds understand. like crazy propaganda to me. That just sounds like. Um... Yeah, but why is why do different sides have the different kinds of of crazy propaganda, and to what extent do they both? You know. It's, yeah. It's so a, what's the psychology that's driving that sort of? Yeah, behavior? but there certainly is an old liberalpedia. <laughs> yeah. I don't mm. know. So, uh, and 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 like I said, the, the, the Wikipedia's gotten decent at making sure that you actually ground things in citations of yeah, science and things exactly. like that. So yeah. I, you know, there is. Science is a narrative, but it's also grounded in reality. So it's it's a it's, it's not only a narrative; it's mm. it's a special narrative that's that's yeah. really, you know, you can still sometimes get jerked around a little bit, but basically it's got this anchor that, that that's like part of its prestige is based on actually being able to predict the future. Um, and and you know, prediction is hard, but it's not impossible. We do have, and that's how we're able to do medicine, and that's mm. how we're able to you know solve all kinds of problems, build build laptops. Yep, <laughs> nice. Um, I I had something. That I wanted to say and I can't remember. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. Um, no, because something kind of like on that um, sort of uh, train of thought. Maybe I'll come back to it. Um, the the other side of the coin is what is um, worrying you, uh, and I mean you said some of this already, but what's kind of um, frightening about AI? Ah, uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of things that you mentioned. I think. Um, the, fundamentally, AI means that we're all sharing a lot of information, and mm -hmm. that means that we have uh, less privacy, basically. So I'm I'm very worried about. Um, it's not just like oh, you know, someone's going to see my pictures or something. It, it's about if you can predict what someone's going to do, then it's really easy to manipulate them. Right. And to what extent are we seeing really bizarre um, political outcomes because people are being manipulated in these really kind of uh, you know again with 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 false facts or whatever so yeah so um, we could see more and more of that we could see um, right now as I, as I said AI is part yeah. of the general technological landscape that could be leading to um, greater wealth inequality and my best guess and this mm. is like I said this is not just a it's an educate it's literally an educated guess it's what we're, we're working on right now yeah but my guess my best guess is that every time you come up with a new technology that sort of reduces the costs of um, of, of producing something then you then you lose some of the differentiation too and you actually sort of need to reinvent governance to spread the wealth around again right. because when it's piled up as, as as high as it is right now the last time it was piled up this high was World War one mm -hmm. and so you just get this breakdown in social order it's almost like a selection event or something. So, yeah. so, so the the thing I'm most afraid about right now <laughs> is the World War Three. Yeah. Uh, and which, like I said, it's not directly caused by yeah, AI. Yeah. It's not Skynet. Yeah. But the but that we need to get on top of the economics of this, and yeah, that we but, need to get up on top of the politics, the political yeah. impact. So that so that could manifest not as not necessarily as World War Three, but it could mass uh, civil unrest or, or something similar. Well, basically, the the thing that I worry about is that if if individuals are too powerful, then states become less powerful, and borders don't matter as much anymore. Mm -hmm. In a way, I don't mean I'm I'm obviously pro immigrant since I've immigrated here. Yeah. But, but what I mean is that you that you lose uh, the collapse of of uh, being able to protect each other and, and yeah uh, the rights war. The, I think that's literally yeah. war. You know. Yeah. So the so the. Um, but I, we can go, like, here's another thing about the truthiness. Mm. You know, just in the last year, we've gotten mm. to the point where we can forge handwriting, we can forge uh, voices. Yep. And, and decades ago, we got to the point where if you had some video and then you had a stream of voice, you could fake video to go with a stream of voice. So we're in a situation now where we could make anyone say anything and show them video of them doing it, right? And, yep. and I mean, we didn't used to have video evidence, um, you know, a century ago. But we're losing it again, and and so, and there. But there might be a nasty point of transition 
where uh, people think we have video evidence and we don't. Yeah. And so that's the, you know, like when, when Stalin used to airbrush things, pick things out of photos and people had gotten used to thinking photos were real and they didn't know that she could airbrush stuff out of them. Right. So, so we're kind of, we, we, I'm hoping at that point the transition will be really short because again, we know better. We, we can mm. put out these examples. We can say, oh yeah, right. Okay. So we can't trust videos evidence anymore. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that'd be and great be if fine. we had less video surveillance. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> that, yeah. So, that'd be really good actually. So yeah, that's one of the things that I actually have had some mm. a conversation recently, um, that, which unfortunately was in Chatham house and I can't say, but it was, it, who was saying it, but I can say what it, what it was, that basically we were sitting around saying, you know, people don't realize just how much information they're bleeding and what would it take to get them to say, we don't want this in our house anymore. We don't yeah. want mobile, you know, keep mobile phones in the in the microwave by the door or something and, and nothing else in the do, house. Do you think, um, I mean, for yeah. me, that, that would... It, it would be useful to have some sort of, um, you know, you'd have like a product mark on the back that says, this is electrically sound. You know, that's something we have already, right? So maybe you'd have something on the back of your products which said, this is using machine learning type A, and it's using, and in order to, to operate, it takes this much information and all these sorts of kind of like, um, almost a, a cate categorization of, of yeah. an, an explanation yeah, what's yeah. going on so that's okay again you've, you've got yeah. three ideas packed into one let's see if I can get through them all very okay, quickly sure. one was that yes that's absolutely the principle for that that somewhere you could download if you wanted to and even if you knew you'd never get around to it just as yeah. long as some proportion of the population occasionally did that you you could keep double checking this and, which is what you were mentioning earlier yeah, yeah. That, that, so that's the, that, that's one of the ideas of transparency which is uh, becoming a, as long as the Brit Britons in the EU is, is one mm -hmm. of our rights because the, right. the, the parliament's already said that we need the yeah. commission's already said last year that, that we have the right explanation. Yep. But um, I thought, I know I was going to do this, and I'm going to drop the other two, because yeah. I took the easy one first. <laughs> um, um, what did you just say? Oh, right. Uh, yeah. OK. The second thing is that um, the the to, this isn't really just about the, OK, oh, I remember. OK. Yep. So the second thing is about data. Mm -hmm. So, yep. so um, I do absolutely think that this next order that we'll have to achieve it's going to be that we own data about ourselves, yeah. and and that our that our personal data is going to be like our personal property. We know that the government can get into it, you know. You know the police could get into your house if they wanted to. Yep. But you, if you found the police standing in your house, you'd be astonished, and you would go to the law, right? You would go to yep. some other law, presumably. <laughs> but, but by and large, you don't have to worry about that very much. Yeah. Right. So the. Um, the third point, though, is that this isn't about machine learning. This is actually what I'm arguing, is that by bringing artificial intelligence devices into our home, like by having a robot there that's looking at and listening to us, mm. as you know, and we think, oh, isn't this nice, we have a friend. Unfortunately, we've also brought in a vector for cyber, for cyber, uh, of cyber attack. Yes. Right. So anyone, I mean, I don't even know if you would necessarily trust whoever the company is. Well, yeah, exactly. Not but even, then, not just attack, but misuse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like all these things, when you read the stuff about what's going on about, you know, hacking and whatever, it seems like whenever the government goes into some bank's database, they find like five different actors there, you know, mm. five different foreign actors. Yeah. And so, so the, uh, so the, 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 why would it be different for, for our household robots? You know, so mm. so then you don't know who's who's absorbing information from you and why and what they're going to do with it. Yep. And so that's why I'm saying it might actually become that we don't have technology in the house at all. Yep. That we still use it like in, in these, you know, because it's cool and we use it for different things, but we don't want to have it in our house. Yeah. We don't have it. And I don't know if there's any hope for that because 
And so actually there's a really interesting meeting that uh, Princeton is putting on in Berlin, weirdly. Um, what? Well, I mean uh, Berlin's a center for um, hacktivation. Oh, okay. But it's called the, it's the Princeton Fung uh, meeting on, on Society 3.0 or something. And, mm. it, and the idea is basically, can we still have liberty uh, given, given the technology right now? Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting question. It's an arms yeah. race. And AI, again, is just a small part of the larger problem there. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, I would not have a um, Echo or some other product that I have to talk to. to Sorry, yeah. yeah. So some sort of product, um, household names, um, in my house, which I have to interact with, um, I would, if I wanted that, I would go and make it myself. Um, And in doing so, I would know what the data was and where it was going and how that would operate. And obviously... Um, that isn't something that I would actually probably be able to achieve on a similar scale uh, or functionality wise which is um, a problem so you're basically saying uh, I'm opting in to this bad situation because I I want the, the good things out of it uh, well, which is not necessarily positive um, yeah, way I'm forward not sure there's for a lot of capitalism ways. or anything like that there's a lot of reasons you might not be able to achieve that, and, and one of that is yeah. is that whatever you create, there there could still be people hacking into it. And, and, sure. and how yeah. how do you know that you're that you're getting on top of that kind of? Maybe you can. Maybe maybe I'm pretty good. good at that stuff. Okay, <laughs> all right, fine. But I, I would still I would still I mean like because there's these things like de-anonymization. So for example, um, one of the things that um, one of my colleagues at Princeton, uh, Nick Feimster. Um, I mean, he's not a colleague. He actually works at Princeton, like me. Right. <laughs> but anyway, one of the people I know because I'm at Princeton yep. is uh, has shown that um, just by you can tell when someone's home just by how many packets their Internet of Things stuff is sending. Yeah. Because when no one's home, there's not much going on, yeah. and so not many packets go out. And then you come home, and then everything the packets got. And so you may not have anticipated that when you were thinking of other. It's actually much worse than that, unfortunately. Yeah. Be- um, given uh, which I, f- I find miraculous, like both <laughs> like really interesting from a scientific um, and practical point of view, and really horrifying from yeah. a social point of view. Um, you can actually point pinpoint where people are within the, the house um, yeah. using um, um, basically techniques. Um, to monitor Wi-Fi signals. Yeah. If you monitor the Wi-Fi signals for a day or two days, you can actually learn um, that they peak or trough um, as people walking through space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is fascinating to me that we yeah. can do that, um, but also horrifying. Yeah, exactly. So we know yeah. exactly where people are, and th- and that's my that was what I was going to say. Even if you could somehow say, okay, therefore I'm not going to have any Wi-Fi signals in my house. I'm going to yep. any electronic devices. I'm gonna get rid of the lights. Just use candles. You know, the the point is that. People, when you walk through the door, just from the way you're standing, just from your gate, you should come. Uh, mm. We're having a meeting in uh, Bath in April, uh, the AISB at, um, what is it, the 19th or 21st? But the right. first day, there's a guy speaking, Bjorn Schuller, who's done, you know, he recognizes emotions both from voice and from uh, vision, you know, like yeah. how you're standing or whatever. But the thing is, it turns out the emotions in that sense, it's not just like, are you happy or sad? You can tell someone's lying. You can yeah. tell if they're stressed, you can tell if they're tired, you can tell if they're sick. You can tell all kinds of things already with AI. And so the more we, the better our models are, the less data we need about any one person to predict mm. what they're going to do. Yeah. And it might be the day that you just walk out of your house and, and someone takes a picture and they can predict what you're going to do, right? At yeah. least well enough to, to, to decide how they want to influence your vote. 
Yep. And with that, <laughs> bombshell. Yeah. Um, thank you, Joanna, um, for coming on the podcast. Um, sure. Where thank can you. we find you? Huh? Where can we find you? Oh, J2Bryson at Twitter is the best thing. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thanks very much. Okay.